Matthew writes, he says, and Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of, of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. Jesus, Jesus knew how to be humble as a dove, but Jesus knew how to be an OG when it was time to be an OG. Y'all don't, don't have enough information yet. The Bible says in verse 13, and said unto them, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a dens of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. I want to just go up just a tad bit, read around verse number 7. The Bible says, And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought their ass and the coat, and put on them their clothes. And they said, and they set him their own, rather. In verse 8, And a very great multitude spread their garments, in the way, others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way or lied, laid them down before Jesus riding on the donkey. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And when he was gone into Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth, of Galilee. Now, I want to reread verse 12 and verse 13, but let me just tell you, What's happening here? Jesus is about to die. And he, he comes into this particular day, and he's riding, which was prophesied, that he would come riding on a donkey and a colt. And Jesus comes into Jerusalem, and everybody's just excited about this new Messiah. They, they're looking for a Messiah. They're looking for a change. They're looking for a revolutionary. They're looking for somebody to come to overthrow the Roman government. And when they see Jesus, they get all excited. And the Bible says that they begin to take their cloaks, their coats, and they lie them down before Jesus riding into Jerusalem. The Bible said they were breaking branches off of trees, laying them down to try to show respect to Jesus. But the same group that was shouting Hosanna to the son of David was the same group that was screaming, crucify him, crucify him. That's why people will lift you up, but you better remind yourself people will also remove your ladder that you're standing on. 
And the Bible says that they were just excited about Jesus coming into Jerusalem. And then now, the Bible says in verse 12 again, and Jesus went into the temple of God. Now, what they were looking for is somebody to come to deal with the Roman government. But I'll tell you, this morning I want to talk on the subject for just a short while. What's the word on the street about this church? What's the word on the street about this church? I think that's pretty good. The, uh, the, uh, Jesus comes into Jerusalem, right? He's riding on a donkey. And people are just watching him come forward and they're taking off their clothes and just putting it before Jesus and breaking branches and dropping it before the Lord. And the Bible says that Jesus rode that donkey, in other words, and in spite of Jesus going to deal with the Roman government who is suppressing and oppressing the Jewish people, Jesus rides his donkey and he rolls into the temple of God. Jesus throws them for a loop. They want somebody to come and fight against the Roman government. Jesus was going to fight against the Roman government, but he was going to do it Jesus style. And what they wanted him to come in and do it like the Bloods and the Crips. Amen, somebody. Anybody know how to do that, that Crip dance? Huh? Y'all don't act like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Huh? But they wanted him to come out and to be a gangster. But what Jesus does, he teaches them what's more important, and he goes all the way to church on them. Now, what kind of leader is that? You know we are being suppressed and oppressed by the Roman government, and you got time to go to church. Jesus goes to church because he's about to die. And Jesus wants them to get this message that if the house of God is not right, then the Roman government has a never a chance to get right. I must start at the house of God. But now watch this here now. He goes to church, right? They go to the temple. That's where they worship. That's where they had sacrifice. So Jesus goes to church. He walks inside of the temple. Lo and behold, he finds people selling. Now, it's not, the problem is not selling, y'all. The problem is not the selling. But what happened is, the Bible says that my house shall be called what? The house of prayer. But you have turned it into a den of thieves. Now, y'all, lions live in dens. All right? They, Jesus said it should be a house of prayer. It should have been a place they went to pray. It was a place they went to pray. But it wasn't P-R-A-Y. It's P-R-E-Y. I, I can spell four-letter words, y'all. Anything above that, you know, I might have a little problem. But they became a den of lions, a den of thieves. In other words, a den is a place where you can hide. It was no strange thing to find 
bandits in Jerusalem. They was always hiding to see who they can jack in Jerusalem. If you walk down the street with your purse, you had a pretty good brand purse, the bandits were waiting for you to come. They would jack you if they didn't also kill you. It was a known thing to have people hiding out, waiting to ambush certain people. So when Jesus walks in the temple and he saw these men sitting around the table and they were selling, and they were selling doves and they were selling uh, pigeons. And, and if you were poor, uh, like, like, like I was about to say like me, but I better not tell a lie. Uh, but if you were poor, I'm almost there. You had not a dove. You might have had a pigeon. Hello, somebody. And what they were doing in the temple, y'all, they were selling, but they were up in the cost. If a dove and a pigeon might have cost $10, they might have been charging you $30. And then the currency was different. If you came from a different region and you were coming to Passover week and you were coming there for the Passover week and the currency that you had, if it wasn't the right currency that they wanted you to use to buy your dove, your pigeon, your lamb to make sacrifice to God in the temple, they charge you even more or charge you up for even purchasing and changing the currency that you had. And so when Jesus walked in the place, and keep in mind, y'all, if you had a dove or a pigeon, you were broke. They needed their money. And Jesus saw how they were oppressing their own people. And Jesus said, this should be the house of prayer. But he said, y'all done turned it into a house, a den of thieves. And you know what Jesus did? The Bible says he turned over tables. I mean, that's not the Jesus we like to talk about. Jesus turned over those tables and drove them people out of the house of God. Let me tell you something. Whenever people are doing things in the house of God that brings disgrace to God, somebody ought to do something. Amen, somebody. But let me tell you the norm. Before Jesus came, this was the norm. Nobody challenged these leaders in the church. But when the Son of God came and saw these wicked people doing wicked things to the people of God in the house of God, Jesus says, uh-uh, not on my watch. And he turned them tables over and he drove them people out of the temple of God. But what kind of church is this? That was the temple. Can I say something? The kind of temple it became, it was because the kind of people who was in it. The kind of church, whatever kind of church this is, it is because of the kind of people who is in the pews. If somebody would say to somebody else who is not a member, or the non-member would say to the member, rather, what kind of church is this? What kind of church is this? Now, be careful who you talk to. Because if you catch the wrong person, you might just get the wrong answer. 
But that's the thing about church. You don't know who that person might be. You don't know if they're a person who's actually trying to live the Christian life or they're just here for the crowd. That's the problem with the church. You don't know who's who in the church because you don't know the hearts of men. person come here and say, what kind of church is this, brother? And you know, some people might say, well, this is a, this is a cold church. This is a cold church. Y'all stay with me, y'all. I'm almost done. This is a cold church. Somebody say you said you're almost done. Impossible. Impossible. This is a cold church. But they don't tell the naked truth. You have to tell people the naked truth and not give them a dressed up lie. Don't tell people your version of the truth. Tell people the naked truth. Tell people why you say that church is so cold. Tell folk the naked truth. Tell them I feel the way that I feel. I feel this church is so cold. It's because I give folk the cold shoulder. See, you got to tell people the naked truth. You can't tell them your version of the truth. You have to tell them the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Then you go to somebody else. Go to somebody else. They say, you know, visitor come and say, what kind of church is this? And they say, well, this is an unfriendly church. This is an unfriendly church. But you got to tell people the naked truth. You can't tell them a dressed up lie. You can't tell them your version of the truth. Tell them the naked truth. Tell them why you say that church is an unfriendly church. Tell them that after service, that you don't hang around to shake nobody's hand. Tell them after service, I don't hang around for anybody to be able to get close enough to me to even smell my bad breath. Tell them that after service, that I don't stay around to get to know people, that they can build a, a relationship with me. Tell people that the only thing they know about me is what pew I sit on and what my license plates read because when by the time they come to see me, all they see is the back of my car. Tell folk the naked truth. Stop giving people your version of the truth. Tell them the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. What kind of church is this? Well, this is a, it's all alone, by yourself, isolation church. Tell folk the naked truth. Tell folk when we got stuff, a fellowship, tell them I make it within my mind and within my heart. I ain't showing up. Y'all, you can't blame the church. Let me tell you what folk would do. Folk would do, folk will, will talk about, will talk about the church and you will have one or two bad apples in that particular congregation. And people, people will label the whole church a bad church behind one bad apple or two bad apples in the church. You cannot label the whole church bad behind one bad apple or behind two bad apples. That's unfair to that church, and that's unfair to those people who are really trying to live a godly life. But you got to watch people. And then the other thing about it is 
How can you say that's a isolated church, an unfriendly church, or a cold church, and you are part of that same group of people? Huh? You Don't you go to church there? Yeah, I go, but you know, I. Come on, somebody. Huh? But, 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 but that's what we'll do. What's your point, Brother Vils? Here's the point. The point is this. Is whatever kind of church we are, it is because of the kind of hearts we have. <laughs> Keep it real. Keep it real. Whatever kind of car you have is based on what kind of engine and transmission you got. My point is, whatever is on the inside of us that makes us who we are. What's the word on the street? Well, let me give you some of these things right over here, and then let me carry on to my lesson, and this will be, this will be yours uh, on today. What's the word on the street about this church? And let me just, Jesus says it shall be called a what? A house of prayer. That's what he said. It shall be called a house of prayer. It should be a place where we come to what? This is, this is a prayer house. This is not where we come to pray on people and take their monies. We all need our monies. Come on, somebody. And I don't care how much money you have, you could always use another dollar. I never seen a man with a person, I, oh, I don't need it. Just, you know, uh, you know they, give, give me that here. Yeah, we, another dollar. That's, that's another dollar. That's, amen, somebody. But they made that place a den. Are you listening? It was a den. It was no longer a house. A house gives the understanding of a family. But a den gives the, the mindset of predators. And that's what Jesus saw. A bunch of predators trying to prey on the weak. And when they prayed on the weak, Jesus says, uh-uh. He had to say something. He had to do something. Watch this here. It was a house of prayer. The church should not only be a house of prayer, it should be a house of blessings. It should be a house of blessings. And it should not become a house of burden. See, they had made it a house of burden. They had to deal with the thieves. They were being upcharged for their sacrificial animals. They were having an upcharge to pay for their currency that they had to exchange. It should be a house of love and not a house of lust. Hello, somebody. It should not be a place where we come to look at what our sisters got on to wear. It should be a house of love and not a house of lust. Well, not only that, it should be a house of joy and not turn into a house of sorrow. We don't come to God's house to be sorrowful. We come to be joyful because of all that God has done for us. It is not only a house of joy. It should be a house of of peace and not a house of hate. We shouldn't hate one another or we shouldn't be hating on one another because the hands of God has blessed our brothers and sisters. It should not only be a house of peace, it should be a house of forgiveness and not a house of holding grudges. It should be a house that is filled with the Holy Spirit of God and not a house that is filled with hellish personalities. It should be a house, watch this here, 
it should be a house of workers and not a house of sleepers. It should be a house of givers and not a house of takers. It should be a house filled with the mighty men of God ready to stand strong side by side fighting against the devil together instead of taking pot shots at our brothers and sisters in the Lord. It should be a house of holy ground. This place should be holy ground and not a house of filthy rags. It should be a house of family and not turn into a house of foes. It should be a house of believers and not become a house of betrayal bitten by the spirit of Judas. This should be the house of prayer and not become a house of a bunch of predators sitting down in the pews. This is God's house. But the kind of house we are is based on the kind of people we are. I mean, we can say what we want this morning. That's the kind of, I don't care where you go, the White House is the White House because of the folk running the White House. The crack house is a crack house because of the kind of people that's in the crack house. My point is, whatever kind of heart that is inside of you and inside of me, we will turn that place into that kind of heart. Your house, your house, your house is whatever kind of house it is because of the people who manages that house. You can, I don't care what you want to be. You can perpetrate, you can fake for as long as you can. The real you is coming out somewhere. Have you ever, that, have you ever, have you ever, have you ever been, you know, ladies, you've been married and you thought your husband was all that in a bag of ruffles and then one day you saw a side of him that you ain't never seen before? The real you going to come out at some particular point. You may fake the funk for six months. You may fake it for 12 months. You may fake it for two months. But you stay married to that one person long enough. And the real person coming on out of there. He might be a lion. He might be a bear. He might be a pit bull in a chihuahua's body. But he coming up on out of there. He coming on out of there. And all I'm telling you is we should strive to become the kind of church that God wants us to become. We should not try to imitate the world. We should not be trying to come like somebody else. We should become like God wants us to become. What's the word? Well, folk lying on you, that's one thing. But, you know, sometimes when people talk, all, all what people say ain't no lie. Oh, y'all not listening to me. Sometimes people say stuff about you, and it's the naked truth. Hello, somebody. That's true. Oh, yeah, that's true. And why we try to fight truth? The truth shall set you free. Why are you trying to be trapped by your lie and your untruth? The kind of church we are is the kind of people we are. We like to backbite. Guess what? We're a backbiting church. If we like to get drunk, we're a drunker church. Now, I'm serious. Listen, listen, listen. The Jerusalem church was a sacrificial church. The Corinthian church was a fornicating church. 
the Philippian church was a concern for Paul church. The church at Philadelphia was a loving church. All I'm trying to tell you is this. If somebody come ask me, preacher, what kind of church this is? What kind of church is this? What kind of flock you are serving over? I'll tell them, our church ain't no different than any other church that you read about in your Bible. Everybody should shout amen. Because that's the naked truth. Our church isn't any different than the churches that you read about in the Bible. Matter of fact, I'll go further than that. Our church ain't no different than the children of Israel. Hello, somebody. Now, I ain't saying all of us like the children of Israel, but I'm trying to tell y'all we ain't no different than the folk that you read about in the Bible. Amen, somebody. Sometimes our church is a gossiping church. Sometimes our church is a fornicating church. I, got, I better read my notes. Let me stick to my stuff. I mess around and get off track there. Uh, it's a fornicating church. No, 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 no. Let me read. Number one. Number one. This is a Bible-talking, Bible-walking church. In case you don't know, you better ask somebody. This is a Bible-talking, Bible-walking church church. Somebody said, well, what that mean? Well, I'm so glad you asked. I don't know what to do with myself. This is a Bible-talking, Bible-walking church. The first thing should come out of a person's mouth when they question about what kind of church is this. They ought to ask the question, does this church believes and practices the Bible? I don't know what's wrong with people. They, they come there, you know, what kind of church you got? You know, well, what kind of church? Oh, we, we got an amazing youth ministry. You know, we just do so much for the kids. Matter of fact, we took our youth all the way uh, to Belgium uh, last year, and we played uh, ball against those folk up there in Belgium. And, you know, we won, and we did. And next week, you know, we're taking our kids to South Africa, and they're going to play the kids down there in the countries of South Africa. And we're, we're going to look, look, look. The first thing you want to know is, is this church a Bible-believing church? You can have all that other stuff and not have the Bible and not be recognized as the church of God. Why are we substituting our souls and our spirits for the recreations of life instead of taking in the spirituals of life? Those things are good and fine within their own place. But what you need to feed your soul and your spirit and to keep your mind where it ought to be, thank you, I appreciate it, keep your mind where you need to be, you need some Bible in you. And you know, Bible is like that casserole. Amen, somebody. Or that 666. Or that Scotch emotion. That's, that stuff doesn't taste, well, it didn't taste good. Amen, somebody. And if you get your, some, your hands on that 666, y'all, y'all let me know about that. And uh, you, you can't find them in the store no more. You got to, see, when you find good stuff, you got to buy it in bulk. You just got to clear the rack. Clear the rack with that stuff. I tell you, put that 666 in you, everything you got wrong with you coming on out of you. It'll knock it all out of you. I tell you. But if you find it, let me know. But my point is, is you want to ask, is it a Bible believing and a Bible practicing church? Well, the Bible is our guide. It leads us. That's what leads us. We shouldn't be led by our feelings. 
We shouldn't be led by our opinions. The Bible is our lead. The Holy Spirit takes our hands and he leads us. And the Bible is our ruler. It is our standard for living. I shouldn't be watching the TV or the internet to find out what's trending today so I can copycat after what's trending. Some things are trending, but it's trending in the wrong direction. And I want you to understand that the Bible, that this church is a Bible-talking and a Bible-walking church. Watch this, number two. Let me hasten on. This is, a, this is a learning and a growing church. This is a learning and a growing church. Have you ever wondered why we are called the children of God? We are the children of God. We are, not, we are not God. We are the children of God. What child you know that acts like an adult, can manage things like an adult? You don't expect a child to be an adult. You are the children of God. That means that you are still in your learning phase. You are the children of God. That means that you are still in your growing phase. Don't you know God knows that you're going to fall? Don't you know God knows that you're going to sin? Don't you know God knows that we are not him? God knows those things, uh, but God wants us as his children to do what? Learn and grow. Jesus grew. He just didn't grow physically. He grew even with favor of men. Jesus understood even as a 12-year-old boy, that it was his job on the earth to grow in all areas of life. Now, if Jesus at 12 understood that he needed to grow, what do you think about those of us who are double the number of 12 and triple the number of 12? Now, some of us can be 56 and still acting like we are six. We are the children of God. I mean, you watch people. Watch what people argue about. Small stuff. I mean, check your own life. The st last time you were arguing about something, small stuff. All it required is a question and an answer. And you got a question and you started a debate. You got a question and you started an argument. And then one argument, subject matter, leads to another argumentation, subject matter. And so before you finish fussing and fighting, you got four things that's now on the plate. But you started with a small stuff. And I'm telling you, if we don't watch our lives, the devil will have us flipping and tripping until the Lord Jesus comes back. You got to be, be learning. You have to be growing. You have to see yourself learn. Somebody said, you haven't learned until you practice what you were learning. It means, in other words, if you are not doing it, then you hadn't learned it yet. We are the children of God. And I don't know about you, but I'm still learning. Still learning. And I, I'm glad I don't take an attitude that I'm not learning anymore. You got to remain a student of God. I don't care how high you think you are, you have to remain a student of God. And you have to always understand that you are the children of God. You are the child of God. You are sons and daughters of God and you are still in the learning phase and you're still in the growing phase and we got people here who are over 80 years old guess what 
They're still learning. You never stop learning. Now, I don't know if Sister Brock is still growing up anymore. She might be growing out, but she ain't growing up. Come on, Sister Brock. You ain't growing up no more unless she put some heels on. But she can still learn. She can still grow. Brother Young is 82, I believe. 81. 81. I'm, I'm pushing it, huh? I'm pushing it. I'm pushing it. Still learning. Still growing. And all of us in here are still learning and still growing. And then we are still learning ourselves. And you know, sometimes we argue with each other. You know one reason why we argue? Because we don't know the other person on the inside. You cannot make a judgment on somebody when you haven't spent any time with somebody. Don't ever talk about somebody until you have gone to them and spent some time with them. Don't say, well, I heard he's like this, and you take that belief because somebody else whispered that seed in your ear. Don't take that stuff. You take the initiative. Go over to that person. Learn that person for yourself. And then you make a judgment based on your relationship on that person. Stop taking the seed of somebody else poisoning your mind. Oh, sometimes, boy, we got folk in the church, not here, but other places. They're like Roundup. They'll kill everything around the church if you let them. Number three, I'm almost done. This is a family church. We believe in family, but we believe in family God's way. Build your family God's way. Build your family God's way in the right order. Build it with a male and a female. Hello, somebody. And then add children. We're going in about four weeks. They haven't fixed the system yet. Male and female. Because you have male and male now, and they got a child. Female and female, and they got a little girl. And then we got, we got, we got some folk who got children, but you don't find a man. Y'all not listening to me. I said you got to build it God's way. You got to build it in God's order. And I want to tell y'all something. You should never, ever get comfortable. We're doing it out of order. See, we should always frown upon sin. I am not saying you beat people up and you cast them to hell. But you should not be celebrating no sin. I was back home the other day, and, and I live in a, come from a, Y'all don't understand. See, Ville Platte is a, is a, is a, is literally a ghetto. That's, that's what it is. Uh, we was riding the other day. I went home and I seen my mom and seen my aunt. And uh, we were riding in, in the place. They called it, this area called, it's the woods. They called it the woods. And they used to call it the uh, area in the woods, the front. That's where the clubs were and that's where people would go and they would shoot folk and stab people uh, back in the day. But the houses, they are condemned. But the people has be, have become just like the homes, condemned. And we were riding, Mom and I, and we were riding on one street. 
standing there, and they had some young ladies walking. <laughs> and mom, you know, you got to forgive her. She said, she said, that's them two sets. That's them two sets. And, 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 and them two sets were walking, all of the young ladies. And their children was all over the shoe. They were all over the shoe. And, 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 and the, the problem with that was they had all of the young ladies. Some of them were, one of them were holding rather one in the arm and, and all of the other was walking beside and even walking behind them. But there were no men. There were no men. Which perhaps suggests they have no husbands. We should never ever become comfortable with sin. Y'all, I'm not saying you cast folk to hell. But you got to let folk know that this is sin. And it'll send you to hell if you don't stop. Hello, somebody. You cannot become comfortable with that business because if you become comfortable with it, it'll happen over and over and over again. Let me tell you parents something. Your fathers and your mothers, your daughter get pregnant, you ought to have a shotgun wedding. Y'all not listening to me. You ought to have a shotgun wedding. I just want to pause right here. I'm going to finish the other little points in just a way. You ought to have a shotgun wedding. You ought to tell him you got her pregnant. Now you're going to take care of the child together. Amen, somebody. Now I'm not telling you can't watch the baby every now and again. But that baby ain't going to be part of my, they ain't going to be part of my flock my, coming directly from me. That's yours. I'm going to watch them. I'm going to watch them. Yeah, we, we, and listen, I know what we say. We say, well, if they have the children, we ain't better not bring them to me. And then when the children born, you got rocking them, creating them, feeding them, and all that stuff, walking them to church. So don't ever say what you're, what you're not going to do. And I'm not telling you not to take care of your grandchildren. That's not what I'm saying, or your great-grand. But what I'm saying is you better draw the line in the sand somewhere. You got to let them know, listen here, that's number one. Now don't you bring number two. But I don't think it's the mic anymore. It may be our heads, you know. It may be our heads. You can't get comfortable with that. Don't bring number two. And you know what we'll do? They bring number two, and we're rocking them in our arms again. Y'all don't have to say amen is right in the who. You got to tell them, look, look, it's, it stopped right here. You get pregnant. You're going to get married. But when I got, I got to go to school, you're going to go to school and get married and do all that at the same time. At the same time. Take six hours. May take you 50 years to finish, but take six. It's your responsibility. I'm serious. That's your responsibility. And until the church take a stand on that, those things will continue to happen. Let me go ahead, number three. Let me go ahead, number three. Oh, I tell you, this is a family church. We believe in family, but we believe in doing it God's way. God's way. God's way. 
Number four. Your will, no, 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 no. Let me back up. I'm almost done. Just hold with me. See, when your children don't have no fathers, your children become bastards. Are you listening to me? You got a bunch of sons walking around here and they're bastards because they don't have the other parent involved in their lives. And we okay with that. When had it become the norm to have children and not have a man in the child's life? That's the norm. Y'all are listening to me. Folk are popping babies out every day. You go down to the general. You go down to the lady. Ain't got no daddy. You know who's with the young ladies? Their mama and their grandmama, their auntie and their sisters. But people who are Christians ought to do, and even if you, even if one day your hormones just get all out of whack, you done messed up. And you come down here at the church and you fess up. Church folk, who got your halos on and your wings and you're ready to go to heaven, take your stones out your pocket. Because you without sin cast the first stone. And when them young people stand up and say, I have sinned, it's our job to forgive them for their sins. Matter of fact, I'm like David. David said, I have sinned and I have sinned only against you, Lord. We don't make no laws in the church. When folks stand up and they say, I have sinned and I ask God to forgive me, then the entire body of Christ should do what? She'll forgive them for Christ's sake as Christ has forgiven us. Why we make it hard on people? We make it hard. They come on here with a little girl walking on their arm and we go to talk. Mm, you see that? She ain't got no man. See that? Stop making it hard on people. This is a place where you welcome people to come in them time to sit down, get to know their first name and their last name, and then you can spend some time building relationship and you can teach them along the way. Don't burn the bridge from the jump. Now we're ready to go on to the next point. I know, I know, I know. I, I haven't been calling my points. I've just been changing it. I, I appreciate it. Uh, watch this here. Let's go with number four. This is a forgiving church. This is a Bible-talking, Bible-walking church. It's a learning and growing church. It's a family church, but this is a forgiving church. I read somewhere where the Bible says, forgive us our debts. Forgive us our debts. Why we act like we ain't got none? Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who trespass against us. God says, when you forgive folk, I'll forgive you. It's a two-way street. Your job me forgiving you is predicated on you forgiving everybody else. But this is a forgiving church. Whenever people do something, we don't hold grudges. We shouldn't hold grudges against people because the same sin you hold grudge against, God can hold it against you. And so as we are forgiven by God, we learn to forgive each other. And don't tell nobody this. There's something that's going to happen in your life where somebody going to cross you the wrong way. Somebody going to rub you the wrong way, but you ought to be, this is a learning and a growing church. You shouldn't let that thing hold you down and hold you back and hold a grudge until we put you six, nine feet deep in the ground. You should learn that what? We should be a what? A forgiving church as God forgives us. We forgive other people. Number five. 
That's number five. Hasten on. This is a put God first church. This is a put God first church. God is our first sense of priority. Last week I said God must become the subject matter of our life. God is the subject of our life. God should be the subject of our marriages. He should be the subject of our families. He'd be the subject of our church. In other words, he should be the core. He should be the centerpiece of who we are. Everything comes back to God. God must be our first and not our last. He must be our top priority and not the bottom. God must be our everything. God must be our sense of priorities. We must prioritize correctly. Number six, this is a loving church. We will love you as a part of our family. We just believe in loving people because we believe the world is suffering because of a lack of love. And Jesus says the world will know who you are by your love one towards another. And so we want you to know all those who are not members of our congregation and not members of the Lord's church, we want you to know this is a Bible-believing church. We don't always get it right down here but we know where all of the right answers are. We don't always say the right thing, but sometimes we need God to take a soap and just wash our mouths clean. We don't always do the right thing, but we're still learning, and we're still growing. And guess what? Don't tell nobody. The Lord is not finished with me yet. Have you ever heard that one? That the Lord ain't finished with me yet. But somebody say, well, when he going to finish with you? Because it's about time. He been working on you. Been working, you've been saying that for the last 20 years. He ain't finished. I don't think you want the Lord to finish with you. In closing, the song says, I should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Can I give you a, a secret? This is a nugget. This is free. You don't have to give me nothing for it. It's free. Go to Psalm 1-1. Let's go to Psalm 1-1. I'm closing. I'm closing. Psalm 1-1. I'm going to need you to help me with this. Psalm 1-1. Y'all going to help a brother out? Y'all going to help a brother out? Now, y'all know y'all misbehave sometimes. We, we need y'all to HBO this morning. Now, watch this here. The Bible says, blessed or like some of y'all say, blessed. Blessed is. Now, every time we get to, when we get to that word, the man, I want y'all to say the church. Y'all got it? Now, now I don't, we got that, right? When we get to the man, we say the church. All right? Everybody got it? Blessed is, now that didn't sound like the whole church, all right? Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going somewhere. Just follow me, all right? You got to say, you got to say, you can't say the church, you know. You got to say like you believe in the church. The church! You follow me what I'm saying? You got to put some, put some mm in it, all right? Blessed is sound like you from Bill Platt. That's just, whew. Watch this here. That walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Work with me now. Blessed is. 
nor stand it in the way of the sinners. Blessed is nor sit it in the seat of the scornful. Hold that verse. People are saying, how in the world can Hollywood still be doing as good as they are doing? How in the world can they go through their ups and their downs, but they're still around? How in the world can they still be around and they haven't sunk yet? How in the world can they do it? What I'm telling you how they do it. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinners. Now watch this here. Y'all messing me up right over here now. Y'all trying to show how I can quote the Bible. Bring me back now. But he blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, and standeth not in the way of sinners, and sitteth in the seat of the what? Of the scornful. We got some folk down here that don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. They don't stand in the way of the sinners. Notice the progression here. They begin to walk, then they start standing, and then you start sitting down with them. Watch verse 2. Here it is. But his delight is in the what? Law of the Lord. And his law, do it, he meditate what? Day and night. Watch verse 3. And he shall, and he shall, that pronoun he there stands for that particular church. And he shall, that's the principal point, and he shall be like a what? Tree. Are you seeing it? He shall be like a tree. What? Planted by the what? Rivers of waters that bring it forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall what? Not wither. And whatsoever he do it shall what? Prosper. Church, be a tree. Be a tree planted by the rivers of water. Let this life of yours be your ground. Let Jesus be your water. Let the Holy Spirit and the Word be your fertilizer. Let the Son of God be your sunlight. And you be a tree planted by the rivers of waters. I shall not be moved, just like a tree that's planted by the waters. I shall not be moved. If you're not a child of God, you come by hearing his word, believing the same, repenting of your sins, confessing that Jesus is the Son of God, putting them on in baptism for the remission of your sins. Baptism saves. Baptism saves. One day I got to make up my mind to get in that water, wash away all my sins, God has given you the opportunity to be able to do it today. While the blood is running in your veins and your mind is still good, this is your opportunity. This is your chance. If you're a child of God, you got sin in your life and you want to make it right today, we ask and pray that you make that thing, those things right before it's eternally too late. As together we stand and together we sing the invitation song. Why don't you come? Why don't you come? He Consecrated, Lord, to thee, take my hand.